Good morning. Good morning. It's Elmer Chen. I want to welcome you here to this workshop. Becoming a people of the word, loving, imagining, and embodying God's story. Uh, can you hear me above this fan? In the back? I'll, I'll try to speak up. I'll, I'll do my best. Alright, with, with this limited voice that I have. All right, let's, uh, let's begin with prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your amazing love to us, that you have come in the flesh to reveal God to us and to bring us back to him. Thank you that you've given us your word, your precious and holy word. We pray that as we, as we take time to examine your word and also to think about uh, how we receive your word, Will you come and meet with us by your Holy Spirit and direct all of our conversations and our thoughts. We give you honor and we give you glory for this session. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Alright, thank you everyone. Uh, if you don't have notes, they're back here. Perhaps we could even... Yeah. Uh, Alright, so... Becoming a people of the word, imagining, loving, imagining, and embodying God's story. The Jews, right here, Dave. The Jews were a people of the book. But we, as 21st century Christians in the West, have become a people of the screen. Right? We are in danger of becoming a people of the screen and the culture around us, you know, with, with our computers, with our phones, with our uh, tablets, movies and sitcoms, with our YouTubing and texting and all this, the culture around us is spinning a story that in order to capture our imaginations and to capture our hearts in order to shape who we become. They want to shape you with their story. The fact is, the stories that you consume will shape who you are. Worldview, the way you think about reality and the way you think about how do I, who I am, where am I, and how do I live and be in the world. Your worldview will be shaped to a large extent by the stories that you consume. They are carried by story. And if we are to mature and grow as disciples of Christ, we need to become a people of the Word, a people of this book, to intentionally immerse ourselves in God's story. The Old Testament people were shaped and defined by the story of the Exodus. We were slaves in Egypt, and Yahweh, our God, brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. This is the story that shaped their existence, that defined who they were. <clears throat> and as the New Testament people of God, we have a new story. The story of Jesus Christ. God who has come in the flesh, who died on the cross, and who has risen from the dead. This is the story who defines who we are. So, how do we become a people of the word? Loving, imagining, 
embodying. How do we love God's story? To, to love God is to love His Word. As we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, and you can make your way there if you have your Bibles with you. Deuteronomy 6.5, we have what the Jews call the Shema, meaning to hear. And what Jesus named as the great commandment. To love the Lord your God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And as we look at this chapter, uh, you, will, you will notice that throughout the chapter, you have many exhortations to obey the Word of God, to keep His commandments. Uh, in fact, seven times uh, you, shall, you shall do the, the command that, uh, that God has given you. You shall keep all His statutes. You shall be careful to do them all again and again. And you have the references in your notes. To love God is to keep His commandments. To love God is to remember Him, to remember what He has done, to fear the Lord your God, and to keep your commandments. Repeat it again and again throughout the book of Deuteronomy. When we look at uh, the Pharaoh discourse in John 6, 14 to 16, Jesus repeats these same things. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then we come to the Last Supper. What does it say? Remember me. Remember me. Remember what I've done for you. Love me and keep my commandments. This is our, uh, this is the center of our Christian life and our obedience. So, uh, I want to read from verse 6 of Deuteronomy 6. Uh, and, and it says he, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as signs on your doorposts and, and so, so forth. You are to saturate your life with the Word of God. To fill your heart, to fill your life, to fill your home with the Word of God. How do we love God's story? And I've given you three here. Read the Word. First you read the Word of God. It's that simple. Um, there's, there was a study done uh, about discipleship and... oh. Great. <laughs> now you can hear me. <laughs> and I don't have to yell. <laughs> there was a study done about discipleship and they defined various traits of what a disciple is and also actions that people perform. Things people do that help them to grow as disciples. And they found that the one thing people did that contributed the most to their growth of discipleship is Bible reading. Simply regular Bible reading. Are you reading the Bible every day? It's an empirical study. This is the number one predictor of growth as disciples. 
Number two, uh, obey the word. We read, we obey. Jesus, in his conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And we all know the, the song and the actions, right? <laughs> No, give what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe in the third session. <laughs> all right. What was this all about? He says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, how do we become wise? How do we build our house on the rock? We put his words into practice. We're doing the word. Uh, number three, we study the word. The Israelites here in, in Deuteronomy 6 were told to teach the word to their children. Why did they have to teach it? Because understanding does not come to us automatically when we read. Okay. Jesus, at age 12, went to uh, Jerusalem for the Passover feast with his family, uh, on the way home, they found that the boy Jesus was missing. They searched for three days, found him in the temple. And what was he doing in the temple? He was sitting among the rabbis, listening to them and asking them questions. Right? So, Jesus understood that you couldn't just open the Word of God and automatically understand everything you read. He made use of the resources available to him to gain a deeper understanding, to understand correctly. And he studied the Word. He studied the Word. And we can do that. So I gave you some keys here. Uh, you know, if you want to study the Scriptures, seriously, yes, you want to, to think about uh, what kind of books are we in, what kind of literature, what genre, is this poetry, is this history, All right, is this a letter, but I gave you just some general guidelines, some general questions here that you can ask yourself as you read the scriptures. What's the big story? You know, um, in verse 20 of this chapter, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and statutes and the rules that the Lord your God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Know the big story, because this gives you a framework in which to understand the scriptures. All right, God created, man sinned, right? Israel failed, Christ came, He lived among us, He taught, He he died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead. He's coming again. Therefore, go and make disciples. Know the story. Know the big story. It gives you a framework for understanding. Where is this passage in the story as you read? What's happening in this book? What's happening in the scene? You can read this for yourself. Uh, notice the last one. What don't I understand? Do I need more information? And, and so then you can go uh, seeking more. I've given you a few resources uh, at the back of your notes. Number two, imagining God's story. Use your senses. Use your senses. Uh, God, all right, so 
this passage we read, right? Talk about them when you sit, walk, lie down, rise. You are to meditate on the word day and night. Did you know that the Hebrew Bible was divided into three parts? The law, the prophets, and the writings. Okay? And the law, was, of course, was foundational. The first book of the prophets was Joshua. The first book of the writings was Psalms. And in the first chapter of each of these major sections of the Hebrew canon, we have an exhortation to keep God's commandments. Be strong and courageous. I will be with you. Be sure to keep my commands. Meditate on them day and night. Okay? And then Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, right? but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Do you get the idea that it's extremely important to meditate on the Word of God day and night, to get it into our hearts and to live by it? And so, uh, think about them. Would the, the Jews would keep small portions of Scripture in these boxes called phylacteries. And they would wear them on their foreheads, on their arms, as a constant reminder that they are people of the Word. Well, we have, I used to have, oh, I still do, these things called post-it notes. (laughs) And you don't have to inscribe them on your doorpost because you might want to sell your house later on and not have to renovate. So... God speaks to you a scripture to you. He gives you a scripture. Post it on your bathroom mirror, on your desk, in your fridge. Put it around you as physical reminders of the words that God is speaking to you. Right? And then when God speaks to you in the morning and He gives you a word, He gives you a scripture, right? index cards. Index cards. Write it down. Put it in your pocket. Pull it out, meditate on it through the day. Memorize. Make use of these things. Uh, When you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise, you attach God's Word to these everyday, ordinary actions of life so that it becomes a part of your ordinary, everyday living. I suggest that you begin with the story of Jesus. If you haven't been in the Gospels lately, take some time with the story of Jesus. Meditate on it. Think on it. This is your defining story. You've been crucified with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. The power of His resurrection lives in you through the Holy Spirit. This is who you are. This is your life. This is your defining story. Get this into your heart. How do we meditate God's story? Uh, number one, med- memorization. As you, if you've done any memorization, you realize that when you memorize, you are meditating on the Word. You cannot help but meditate as you memorize. Right? Recite it. Read it over and over. 
practice reciting it. And by memorizing, you make the Word of God accessible to you everywhere you go. You carry it with you. I don't have, I don't have the sword. Oh no, I left it at home. No, it's right here. It's in your heart. Okay, it's in your heart. Put it in there. And the Israelites memorized so that they could recite and meditate. Why? Repetition and um, constant meditation helps you to get this into your heart. It becomes a part of you. Start with key verses that God gives you. Uh, increase to perhaps uh, passages, chapters. Perhaps sometime you, you feel like you're ready to tackle a small bush. Go for it. All right. Uh, but memorize. Just start. Start with one verse that God speaks to you. Uh, next, use your imagination. God gave you an imagination. Do you realize that your imagination is a gift from God? Right? The devil did not invent that. Okay? He, he's captured it. He wants to capture it. But it was God's invention. God gave it to you so that you can make his story live inside of you. Make it come alive. And so we can learn to meditate on God's word with your imagination. You know, Jesus, when he taught, he constantly used metaphors and stories. Right? You are the salt of the earth. If, uh, if salt becomes tasteless, can, can, you, can you taste it? As you read this, right, you're the light of the world. Consider the lilies of the field. There was a man who had two sons. And as you read the story, can you picture yourself as the prodigal son? Can you picture yourself in the pig barn? What does it smell like? What do you hear? The pig slot, what does it look like? Do you, are you hungry for that? Make it come alive. Put yourself in the story. <laughs> and, and feel that longing for home. Allow the Word of God to grip you, to capture your imagination. Intentionally submit your imagination to the Word and the Spirit and allow it to shape your heart and your mind. Because if you do not submit your imagination to God's Word, you will give it to the world. And it will be captured by the world. And you will become as the rest of the world around you. And Paul says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, yeah. Ignatius of Loyola, of Loyola, and don't worry that he's Catholic. This is from Augustine, and all of us trace back to Augustine, more or less, in the West. Um, uh, he thinks of the soul as memory, mind, and will. All right? And memory is your imagination. When you think about an event, you are using your imagination. And so, as you read... Imagine, think, and commit. Uh, ex imagine, experience the scene with the five senses of your imagination. What do you see? What do you hear? What, what does the scene look like? What do you smell? All right. Uh, 
think on it. What does it mean? What can I learn about God, about me, about life in reality? What is He saying to me? What is He saying to me? And read with your ears open to the Lord. Uh, finally, commit. You apply your will to loving God's way and loving His will. Living it out. Number three, embodying God's story. Um, God gave you a body. And He gave you a body in order to perform His story. If you think about the Bible as one great drama, and think about this world and history as one great drama that God is producing, you're an actor in it. And you are to take this script and live it out with your body. That's what actors do in their speech and in their actions. Embody the script. And it doesn't tell you every little detail about what to do every moment of every day. And so what do you do? You improvise. Life is improv. It's spirit-directed improvisation. And so go out and live the story. Immerse yourself in this. Allow it to shape your heart and your mind. And you go out and you improvise upon the story by the direction of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And as we meditate, it naturally leads to practicing the word in everyday actions. Here's a quote. I know I'm rushing, but I'm on a time limit too. Um, Here's the quote. So a thought, reap an action. So an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. And so we're moving from our thoughts to our actions. And from our actions to habits. In order to be transformed. In order to grow, you need to form new habits. We all have... Anybody here who does not have a bad habit? (laughs) You can't change without changing those things. Anybody here want to cultivate good habits, new habits? This is how you grow. Uh, Our brains and our bodies are made in such a way that we repeat the same action over and over. It becomes an automated action. Your computer does this, but God invented that, right? Not Microsoft. Uh, Automated actions. We do things without thinking. The habits that you have become who you are. And and so we need to very intentionally cultivate word-shaped, spirit-shaped habits. Uh, And whether it's extinguishing a bad one or creating a new one, a good one. Uh, it takes very intentional effort. It does not happen automatically. Personally, uh, uh, a few weeks ago, I decided that I need to increase my productivity if I'm going to do all the things that God's called me to do. And so I need to revamp my morning routine. And so what I do, I, I wrote out, here is what I want my morning to look like piece by piece. This, these are the things that I need to do. And then I, I realize, oh, uh, I need to do the same with my, my nighttime routine if this is going to work. 
<laughs> so then I, so then I wrote out a new nighttime routine. And at the beginning, it's a, it's a little bit mechanical, right? Okay, I'm doing this step and then this step. It's hard at the beginning. It's like, it's like going through deep woods for the first time, and you're crushing down, you know, the the branches. You're breaking the branches and crushing down the tall grass. But after you've been through several times, you've built yourself a path, and it becomes easier. It becomes automatic. That's called a <coughs> habit, and that's how habits work, right? Breaking a habit, you've built the super highway, and you automatically go there, but if I'm going to change that thing, I need to make a new habit. Again, I'm fighting my way through the deep woods. It's not easy. It has to be intentional. Right? So, we want to take the Word of God, allow it to speak to us, and then convert it into new habits, new actions, new ways of living. For some of you, it might be performing an act of kindness every day. Uh, for others, perhaps giving your, your spouse and your kids a hug and saying I love you every single day, making a, a, a point of doing that. Um, maybe for some of you, it's every time you walk outside, you need to, to stop, look up, look around, take a deep breath, and thank God for this beautiful world, this good world that He has made. Especially for the pessimists among us, <laughs> like me. <laughs> All right? But form a new habit that pleases God. What if every morning you read the Word, came up with just one simple application? And it can be as simple as, God is my salvation, I will trust in Him. I've been reading through the Psalms. God is my salvation, I will trust in Him. Write that on an index card. Bring it with you. And throughout the day, remind yourself, remember to apply the word. You know, set up an hourly time on your watch or your, your phone. And when it goes off, think on it. God is my salvation. I will trust in Him. Okay. It's by doing the word that we shape our habits and allow the Spirit to shape our lives. So how do we love, how do we imagine, and how do we embody God's Word? We read, we study, we memorize, we meditate, we obey. Alright, um, I, so I, I want us to, what is our, what's the new schedule? Does anybody know? Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's great. All right. Would you like to to take a, I know, six minutes, five minutes does not do this justice. But but why don't you just take a few minutes and, and turn to Matthew twenty seven. Right. And What you want to do is take a, a moment to place yourself in the presence of God and 
So this is the practice on meditating the word. Uh, come into the presence of God. Read the passage slowly, uh, out loud if possible when you're doing this at home. Perhaps you want to read it through three times in three different translations. Wh- whatever works for you. Um, perhaps whispering it to yourself. But here, just, just read the passage if you want to whisper it, if you want to, to read it quietly. Imagine, imagine, immerse yourself in the scene. Let the Spirit guide you to a, a particular detail, a verse, a thought, and just think on it. And allow Jesus to speak to you personally. And then commit. <coughs> Alright, so just, just take a few, few moments, just as a, a practice run. Just invite the Lord to come. I realize that we're cutting our our time really short with this. Um, But, uh, and and so as you practice this, you want to be be far less rushed. Uh, But as as you even spend a few moments in the Word, Are you, are you hearing the Lord speak to you? Is the, is the Lord guiding you to particular uh, thoughts, truths, impressions? Uh, you want to you take that. And even if you don't read through the whole passage, Sometimes you're in the middle of of something and it just arrests you and you go, oh, no, I, I need to stop here and, and let this work on me. Just be free with that. It's about you and the Lord. You meeting with the Lord. Um, are there any comments that you want to make about, as you just take a few moments with this, what's what's going on for you? Is this... Uh, or if you have questions, if you have comments about this process, uh, I just want to allow time for that before we go. It's good to focus. I would have been going, I really want to prove myself. <laughs> and I cannot resist. No way. Right? We're like that sometimes. 
when thinking of talking about imagination, sometimes it's easy to think that when our imagination is taking us somewhere, we are um, we're on a rabbit trail. Yes. And we have to bring ourselves back, you know, and, and stop imagining our things in our head. But maybe that's actually God's way of bringing life to the story yeah. and making it real for us. Yeah. So thank you for valuing that. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, yeah, you, you want to you want to make sure that this this is this a spirit led imagination, right? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we need to rein it back, but yeah, I mean, he can take us to all kinds of places where we need to go. Mm-hmm. Let me submit to him. Sorry. I just wanted to say this has been incredibly rich in such a short time. I just can't believe how refreshing and encouraging. <coughs> And, uh, and redirecting in many ways this, this has been I just really thank you for uh, mm-hmm. yes. I have one question yes. and, um, in terms of building a new highway you know, we get these highways like you say where we're yeah. a four lane and uh, in order to create a new path I, one of the things I struggle with I don't want to put legalism on myself and so at what point do we need to actually close off the, the access to the highway hmm. so that we go and build a new yeah. Without, you know, saying, you know, imposing a legalistic structure. That may be a big question. Well, you know, if if this highway leads to where God does not want me to go, all right, then I know this is not God's will for me. And that's not legalism, that's loving God. Right? Yeah. Obedience is about loving God. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes we get this, we... We become so afraid of legalism, we forget that God gave us laws because He loves us, and when we love Him, we obey them. And so, no, that's not quite what legalism is, but that's a soapbox that I will not get onto today. (laughs) Just love God and obey Him, and you won't go wrong.